Hello, friends and fellow Pivians. Thank you for joining us on Episode 4 of Pivx Pods, The Noob's Guide to the Crypto Galaxy. We'll be trying to explain crypto terms for beginners. It's actually a little more difficult than you might imagine. I'd like to give a quick shout out to Glenn. Thanks for checking out the podcast and for your kind comments. As usual, my guest hosts, Rhubarb and Jeffrey, are with me today. So how's it going, guys? What's up, Palm Tree? Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, guys. Rhubarb, you just had Canada Day. That's Is that Canada's independence? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's July 1st. It's our independence from the colony. <laughs> from being colonialist. Yeah, that was that was a, on a Wednesday. It was a crazy kind of time to have a holiday in the middle of the week. But what, but it, what it actually does is gives you almost like two Mondays. And then Friday is like right there. So it was just, a, it's just an odd week. It's like zoom by. But yeah, and it was sad because, you know, no, no celebrations outdoors, no fireworks. We usually head down to the beach and hang out with friends and everything was online. It's crazy. Do they do fireworks and yep. stuff like that? Oh, yeah. So, so they just put them on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, the city put out a just bigger screen, bigger effect. But the city did an all day live stream of musicians and special announcements, which proudly my son actually produced the entire show. So he was here all day producing the show on uh, on Streamlabs and uh, going between artists and artists. I think there was fifty plus artists that were on. So you know things we have to do and we got to do. Yeah, we just had our July 4th, which is the United States Independence Day. Got our independence from the other side and we basically copied them and did the same thing and we're still the same, just... <laughs> the joke is, uh, I always get asked sometimes, oh, do you guys celebrate July 4th or do you have a July 4th in Canada? I'm like, yeah, it's July 4th. <laughs> Anything like that in uh, Indonesia, Jeffrey? <laughs> Funny enough, I actually celebrated my first Independence American Independence Day because uh, my girlfriend's parents are actually American. So we were lighting some fireworks uh. and stuff. So yeah, what's what's actually the meaning behind the fireworks? I know like the original story. Oh, war, it's all about war, it. right? You know? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But obviously, we don't. I don't really know the history behind it. I think in school, what we ever learned about was the ship with the tea. I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's like, you know, when you have a successful engagement, you just shoot your guns up in the air. I think it might... Yeah. Start from that. I don't know. I'm, I'm making that up. It, it might be completely false. Could you guys still hear fireworks though? In like lockdown? Oh yeah. Yeah. People were, people were blasting them off. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. We shot a few off and one of them failed and shot came towards the ground and exploded on the ground. Not fun, but still beautiful to look at. We heard fireworks and we heard sirens. So we're thinking, oh, maybe somebody blew up something. But anyways, it's good to be independent, although we still have our political issues and all that jazz in every country. Yes. The ever growing issues. Just a lack of tea now. <laughs> <laughs> Over the past several weeks, Jeffrey, you've been trying to build a Raspberry Pi cold staking box. Did you have success with that? Yeah, big success, actually. Actually, the reason I set it up was because I keep renting VPSs and I realized, you know, I'm paying like $10 a month for a VPS. So VPS, if you guys don't know what that is, it's basically stands for virtual private server. So yeah, VPS stands for virtual private server. So basically, it's like a computer hosted somewhere and you rent access to it. So basically, I would run the Pivx wallet on there to stake for me. And uh, it turns mm -hmm. out that was actually costing a lot more. I mean, $10 a month, that's $120 a year. So I bought myself recently the Raspberry Pi 4B, four gigabyte model, which set me back, I think I think it's what, 50 US dollars, something like that. And uh, I set up the, I set up Ubuntu Mate. 
I don't know how you guys pronounce Ubuntu, but Ubuntu is actually a word from South Africa and it means humanity. I don't know if that's where they got it from, that word. Yeah, if you guys don't know that. I set up Ubuntu Mate, installed the Pivx wallet. I'm using, I prefer the QT, you know, so you can see the GUI, see the, you know, have a graphical interface. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I set up cold staking there and my, my little Raspberry Pi that cost me $50 is earning me some Piv just sitting there 27 doing its thing. And that's, last year that was impossible, right? Because of the power and the energy that was needed. Glad you mentioned that. Yeah, the reason it was impossible is because of the lack of RAM. Pivx wallet used to be super RAM intensive as well as CPU intensive mm -hmm. due to zero coin code and a whole bunch of stuff. So actually with the modifications, it's a huge improvement. Fun fact, actually, if you have the Pivx wallet on Linux, the startup time, including the loadup of the blockchain files and everything, is literally like a few seconds. It's super fast. So that's wow. one thing I noticed. Um, not only that, I'm using less than 600 megabytes of RAM on mine right now. Obviously, it can go up the longer you use it and the more transactions are processed. But you think back just eight months ago, the Pivx wallet was using an average of 2.3 gigabytes idle. So a huge improvement. So now you can use low powered machines to stay. It's really cool. Saves you money and it's more environmentally friendly than running servers. And I'm actually gonna set up another one because, uh, well, I'm a geek <laughs> and I want to, I like running multiple. <laughs> I think that's the new thing. I think geek is the new job. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, but yeah, it's I a think badge. it's the new thing right now. We're exactly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, if anyone wants any help with that, you know, we always on the Discord. I don't mind helping people with it, setting it up and everything. It's really cool. And I'd recommend you get one if you want to try, mess around, learn about how single board computers work, Raspberry Pis work, and if you want to earn some PIV. Yeah, single board computers have come a, a really long way. And while they might not be the best thing for your main OS for your PC, there's a lot of cool tasks that you can do with these little tiny guys. Mm -hmm. It's it's um I think we talked about this last episode or somewhere where we where the accessibility of running and holding and you know managing cryptocurrency is just it's improved dramatically, right? So now, you know, lower power devices, people don't have to buy a, a you know big computer, they don't have to buy a computer at all if they want to run on on their Raspberry Pi or as we're making mobile wallets and whatnot more accessible. Um, this is just opening up a whole lot of doors for people that one may not have the money to buy an entire PC or Mac or whatever. But secondly, as we talked about cold staking coming into play, they don't even have to have internet or decent internet to run a consistent you know wallet. So this is this is pretty amazing. It's groundbreaking stuff. I'm looking forward to the tutorial for doing the CLI command line interface version of the cold staking. Uh -huh. That's the one that I think I want to try on a pop. Mm, yeah has um have you guys are you guys activated your wallets for cold have you done cold staking have you used oh, yeah. any services so i actually do my own cold staking for me it's a lot better than the hot staking the best reason yeah. for me absolutely the best was due to the security reason i didn't like having my pc online 24 7 you know my wallet's open and people can see my funds if they come past now it's just like i literally just have my, my wallet running i start the cold staking i turn it off i don't think i've opened my pivx wallet in like three weeks now since i set up that raspberry pi <laughs> yeah it just earns and i check it on the blockchain accessible and security. I mean, it's the cold staking yeah. and the less power needed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's becoming better. So great. The other thing I'm going to try with the raspberries, I'm busy setting up Tor currently on the Raspberry Pi mine mm -hmm. because I want to try to set up a tutorial to host Masternodes using Tor. So basically the deep web allow people to who prefer that type of encryption and security to also access peers. Um, and that way you can host more Masternodes if need be. 
and your whale right. because you don't need a dedicated IPN address anymore, which is quite hard to get nowadays. So now you just need a whole bunch of Tor addresses. So it's a Raspberry Pi could probably host two to five master nodes. Whereas wow. if you're just running on one IPv4 address, hmm. you can only host a single one. So you get more more bang for your buck, in other words. So uh, for those that don't know, can you explain Tor a little bit? How it hides yeah. IP and what, what's the what's the main big big deal for crypto? Yeah, so Tor basically is a well, everyone likes to use utilize the word dark web. Basically, it's the X. Tor is the browser. You get Tor browser, which allows you to mm-hmm. access dot onion domain. So dot onion domains. I don't know if you've ever seen one before. It's like really strange. They'll, some of them have like weird characters like AB one two three four five QR dot onion. And basically, it's like a it's a, a different type of internet where it's not the IP addresses of the servers aren't directly traced. So it's more anonymous. ISPs mm-hmm. can't like log what you do. So in countries, people countries where people have like you know internet restrictions, Tor is obviously the best option. I mean, a lot of people are scared. They're like, oh, dark web drugs. This this this. Uh, no, I mean, so I even read, I used to read the news on the, on the, like, dark web. Just, uh, I was young, I was just like, oh, look at me, I'm the hacker dude <laughs> uh, yeah. behind the, the restricted internet. But yeah, it's, it's just a way for people to gain their privacy back. And, uh, so now if you're able to, you know, run masters that, people who prefer to use that source of internet and that sort of restriction where, you know, their, their, their stuff isn't being publicly exposed on IP addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, hosting masters on that type of network can, uh, you know, assist them out. Uh, so I recommend if you look up their website, I mean, you just look up Tor browser and they got a nice little explainer of how it works there. And it just shows you what it does. And, and also it protects you against uh, a lot of things like in the browser, a lot of things that can trace you. Like you, you get flash and all these different types of, uh, software that run that can actually trace what type of browser you're using, your IP addresses and that, and that it just provides a complete encryption for it. It's, it's useful. And so what, how does cryptocurrencies use it? Like other than the browser element, are there currencies that use Tor to obscure yeah. blockchain addresses? So there might, not necessarily blockchain address, but I, I believe that the inspiration for encryption of addresses is inspired by Tor itself. But the current encryption that I know of that happens on PIVX and even PIVX wallets, as well as many others, is just the IP encryption. Your ISP wouldn't see that you're running a cryptocurrency wallet. Like, for example, I think it was Venezuela a year or two back where it's actually illegal to, correct me if I'm wrong, but also illegal to hold cryptocurrency, so run the wallets and that. So, you know, an ISP could probably see that you're running, hey, this guy's running the Bitcoin wallet. Whereas if he was running it and he put it behind Tor, it would completely hide his IP address. Now, the nice thing for that is, as was, the issue is VPNs are sometimes blocked. Tor, it's I think it's near impossible to block Tor because of the way it works compared to uh, a VPN. And Pivx has integrated that now into the wallet, the availability yeah. to integrate Tor for that layer of IP, hiding your IP. Yeah, exactly. I haven't been able to get it to work on the Pivx wallet mm-hmm. as of yet, so that's still a work in progress I have to figure out. But I've got it working on other things, like uh, what's the Electrum wallets, mm-hmm. like uh, light wallets for oh, yeah. other coins. Yeah, like Electrum, yeah. That works perfectly fine. So if I open up those wallets, it shows that I'm connected via Tor, but the Pivx one just doesn't grab that same connection. So I think I have more configuration I have to add to make it work for mm-hmm. the wallet. Yeah, unfortunately, this time it is quite I think you just need to be a bit advanced in how to get it done but yeah we should add some tutorials get people to you know learn what the benefits are so they can easily enable it because the wallet does show you now if you have Tor enabled which is pretty cool mm-hmm. great cool stuff all right so let's get to the meat of it today we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency terms common cryptocurrency terms and we're going to try to explain it in the easiest possible way <laughs> we'll at least attempt to do that we may or may not realize that goal in the end but we will attempt to create the noob's guide to the crypto galaxy. <laughs> you guys ready? I'm ready. Yes, we are. Let's do it. 
Open the book for us. All righty. <laughs> Open the book. So obviously the first one's going to be blockchain. That's the most common word related to cryptocurrencies, I think, is blockchain. What would the blockchain be? Who wants to tackle that? That's a huge... Ta <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> I know people have compared it. So a lot of times it's easier to compare it to something that we know. So Jeffrey, I don't know if you recall, people are saying, you know, blockchain is to... Or crypto is to blockchain as email is to the internet. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a platform. It's a framework. I don't know if I got that right. Yeah. All right, I was going to go somewhere completely well, go, with that. Go for it because I'm, I'm a total sure. noob. At this. All right. <laughs> I almost forgot something burning on my brain to decide. <laughs> I push pixels all day. So uh, go, go geeks, go. Throw me the ball when you're ready. Clearly, some of these aren't going to be the truth. They'll be just examples that make you understand it. So that that's, I think, the direction that I was going to go with blockchain. So blockchain is like a spreadsheet. Yeah, it's a legend. Yeah. And it's the... That's what I was going to say too. <laughs> It's a big document. It's like the bank and all the all your balances are stored on there. Everything is stored on the blockchain. And you can verify if I have 10 and Jeffrey has 10 and Rhubarb has 10 and I give each of you five, I have zero. So that's logged into the mm -hmm. ledger. And then I can verify down the road that I have nothing and that you each have 15. Yep. So I, the blockchain is just the, you know, the next term on our list is distributed ledger. And that's basically the blockchain. Yeah, it's a public version of the, of the transactions that are forever and yeah. true. Yeah, exactly. But the major difference, like it's exactly like an Excel sheet, like you said, but the major thing that, that makes it better than the Excel sheet the banks use is a term called immutable. So what that means is like in majority of the cases, the way blockchain is designed to work, like for example, if I put there that I have five and I trans, I mean, if I have a balance of five and I transfer it to you, that transaction is permanently stored there. My balance in that address is permanently stored as that amount and it's unable to be changed unless a large consensus change as well as agreement of every peer on the road. So like for example, every single person running the wallet agrees that this change must be made. Whereas with the bank, it's a simple as the administrator logging on and changing hey look we're closing this guy's account his balance is zero press enter and save done but yeah it's it's exactly like you guys say a big ledger of transactions and another big difference is that you're a member of XYZ Bank. They have a, a ledger for everyone in that particular bank, but they don't know ABC Bank. Mm -hmm. The blockchain is the ledger for basically all the banks, if you want to look at it that way, all the banks combined. So it's the global ledger for everyone that's using that particular currency. Yeah. And it can't be, exactly. I guess the other thing is there's, there's no centralization. So like, you know, for instance, we'll keep using the bank analogy. Bank manager Joe can go in and, and maybe fudge the books or change a thing and, and somehow make it you know, work across their books that shows some sort of new number. Whereas in the blockchain, you can't mess with it. If you try and mess with it, the entire network point their finger at you and say no, and yeah. it just doesn't get it doesn't get added. So it's safe. The math, the crypto, the crypto side of it, cryptography side of it, makes it true and it's secure. The records can never be changed. Yeah, that's why there's been some talks of actually using it in a in a voting sort of environment. Yeah, that way you know it can't be altered. It Which goes to the, we've talked about this before too. That blockchain, we sometimes just talk about cryptocurrency, and cryptocurrency is like it's like our brain, where it's four percent of everything yeah. that can be used, and the blockchain's the brain, like. Anywhere where there could be a transaction, where there's used to be a middleman, the blockchain technology can can take care of that. And it's being implemented in many industries, education, healthcare, insurance, real estate. Um, they're using blockchain because of all the things that we've said. It, it eliminates the middleman. There's no room for error and the records are true and forever. Yeah. 
And just like for voting, you can verify that your vote was counted right. and that it's actually there, which you can't do right now. I don't know if they take my ballot and shred it and yeah, then, exactly. you know, add it to the opponent. I don't know what they do, but with the, if you could do the voting on the blockchain and verify using your, your keys or whatever, that would be yeah. a beautiful thing. Perfect. So I think we could probably uh, talk forever on blockchain. Yeah, <laughs> it has a lot of subtopics. We've got a list of 20 or so, so. Take us to the next page. So. A node. What's a node? A node as in like, okay, there's, you can actually change definitions to different ways, but the way that I like to refer to a node can be someone running, let's say, for example, the Pivx wallet. And it is the core wallet and it's completely synchronized. So you've done all the blocks and you leave your PC or your server on. That way you are now running a node as well as your wallet. So other users can connect to you to retrieve the latest block information and whatnot. Tell me if I'm right on that one or not. No, that's it. I would say like any computer connected to the network running running a core wallet yeah right so so anyone that's got the entire blockchain so your light wallet won't be a node no. because it doesn't have the full blockchain it's yeah. just connecting to someone else's node most yeah, likely exactly. a fork i don't think we need to explain what a fork is because we did an episode last fork? time on forks so hopefully they listened so if you, if you didn't listen to it go back a, a episode or two and find the what the fork episode that will explain it yeah, all let's carry on all right hash power so hash power comes into term it can actually be referred to in our proof of stake system as well but hash power is pretty much the strength of all the miner is currently on the network or specifically your miner and how much it's measured in mhz i'm actually not a miner so i don't even know how to pronounce what that stands for maybe you guys can jump in and help me with that but yeah that's pretty much the hash power of the network the total amount of people currently mining so what about for pivx where it's proof of stake is there hash power on proof of stake we actually measure it by difficulty so difficulty is pretty much like hash power it's basically the combined amount of pivx currently in staking as well as in masternodes. So that it's basically all told together. The higher the difficulty, like in hash power, but yeah, it's a bit different because the higher the difficulty, the harder it is to earn PIV. It's not like hash power where it more accelerates, you know, quicker blocks and things like that. So that one, you'll have to find a different, I'm not the one. Mm. <laughs> I'll have to find that, yeah. so that one. It's quite strange when it comes to proof of stake because I'm more used to difficulty with that. I've heard it, I heard it be called like a digital fingerprint, like hash. Yeah, okay. I, I double checked and I just Google quick. So it is, yeah, I'm basically right with that. So proof of stake, where you change, let's use the word mining power. So the more PIVX I own, the higher my hash rate or mining power. So if I have 10,000 PIVX, I'm adding a 10,000 into the difficulty, which means I also have a mining power of 10,000 PIV. <laughs> So that's how it works. Right. Whereas with uh, proof of work, it's, you know, this guy has got a uh, RTX 2080 Ti. This is like a super powerful graphics card. So he'll have a higher uh, hashing power mm -hmm. than me. So hash power and difficulty are kind of sort of related. Yeah. Yeah. The ability to validate the transaction is higher if you hold more or have more power to. Yeah. I mean, mostly for us, it's whoever holds most has most validity, can show the validity of the transaction more. So they would have more hash power, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? So the hash power is basically a unit of measure of how much energy it takes to run the blockchain and difficulty is a unit of measure basically on how difficult it is to discover a block. Mm -hmm. That's basically the difference, but they kind of work hand in hand. If you have a higher hash power, then the difficulty will also be greater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they correlate between the two. All right. This one, I'm not sure if PIVX is part of this halving. Everyone's mm -hmm. heard of the halving, the Bitcoin halving happens every once in a while. What do you think that is? Yeah, Bitcoin has 
has it on the calendar as, as the havings that will come until there is no more. And yeah, okay. So it's basically from when certain blocks are indicated and basically it decreases the amount of the block reward. Uh, Pivx, we actually do kind of have a half. It's not really a havening as we call it. It's kind of similar because we did have a reward decrease. I remember when Pivx mm. first came out, we called it POS phase one when, when POS was just introduced. The block reward is 50 piv and, uh, you know, and every single phase. So it was declared, you know, a certain amount of blocks every, let's say 40,000 blocks or whatever, the Pivx reward would drop. Uh, it's the mm -hmm. same thing with Bitcoin. Obviously, there's some code that, that goes into that that tells, you know, after 100,000 blocks, we need to have the reward. And that way it mm -hmm. becomes harder to mine and, you know, more expensive and uh, there's less profit for your work as well, making the, the cryptocurrency itself more valuable to attain. Yeah, the scarcity raises the value or, or keeps the value secure. So if, yeah. so if they can increase the scarcity by limiting the, the ability to get more, then that secures the, the value, if not allows it to go up. Yeah. And with Bitcoin, their supply will end at 21 million, right? So once the, the yeah. last Bitcoin is mined, then that will be it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think I think with Bitcoin, it's every 10% of the block, if I remember correctly, I think it's every 210,000 blocks that it, yes, uh, yep. yeah, something like that, that it uh, has. It's something like that, just to make it more difficult each time. So every 10% that it gets towards there or whatever, our maths may be off. <laughs> yeah. So basically something to help adoption. So you get a big reward up in the beginning and as it becomes more and more available and more adopted, they slowly decrease the reward that you get. They put you on a diet. Yeah. They got to thin it down. That's the next term is block reward. Yeah. That can happen in proof of stake or proof of yep. work. Yep. Who's tackling this one? Well, I mean, from a layman's perspective, we've used a simple term like interest, where because of the power that you're giving back to the network and the ability to validate transactions, so you're part of it, you're getting a reward, which is sort of like the bank. You give them your money, they use that to invest, and they give you a penny for, for, for the dollars that they make. Yeah. But in the in crypto, that's, yeah, I think the block reward for, for us it's different with proof of stake and uh, right on uh, proof of work you have to really work for your reward yeah. you have to work hard it's work it's not <laughs> it's not as easy as staking and you need a lot of energy a lot of electricity a lot of hardware in order to have a chance mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. to get a reward with proof of stake with what pivx is doing is you're staking your coins and using like jeffrey's little raspberry pi computer you could be cold staking your coins and still receiving a reward which is a lot like what we explained it's like similar to interest yeah. yeah and it pays most more than most banks right now i mean currently we're seeing at an average of nine percent per year so i mean i think banks in america you guys are per it's so weird whenever i hear someone in the american bank account they tell me like they're getting like 0.5 percent interest per annum i'm like whoa that's crazy like in south africa i'm so used to like 5.5 percent five percent but yeah so crypto does pay out more and in the long run it's also i have more faith in crypto so i feel even if the crypto yearly interest is lower i still feel more secure <laughs> in yeah. that than i would with a bank but that's just my well, for sure. feeling towards it. In crypto, we trust. In crypto, we trust. Yeah, exactly. Okay. How about uh, circulating supply? <clears throat> so uh, circulating supply is currently all the coins that have been minted up until now, and they're currently in use. So someone owns them, or it's in an exchange or someone else's wallet. So it, And then you also get the total supply, which is the next one, which is basically every single bit that will be of the pivot. I mean, in Pivx or Bitcoin, that will completely ever circulate. So for like Bitcoin, there's 21 million coins of the total future available supply, but the circulating supply is the only amount that is currently in circulation. Exactly. I said that really, really horribly. I explained, <laughs> I explained no, I think, that I think really, you just, really you bad. I think you just said what Jeffrey said just in a different way, and that's, that's great because yeah, people, okay. people can get it. Uh, 
<laughs> I actually wonder, can you actually see the, the current circulating supply of your, your local fiat? Is that even possible? Well, it's in most countries, it's minus because <laughs> the money is not worth anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know we just printed millions or trillions of dollars. So I'm thinking that its actual true value is down to about 20 cents per dollar. That's crazy. I actually, I posted a tweet about that. No, it was like showed a picture of like a US dollar. guy made a nice little article where it's like if you had the dollar in 1971, you know, it was still backed by gold at that time. Mm. And then they, you know, they, they, sorry, I'm not American, guys. So I'm, my I'm Canadian, so you can say what whatever happened. you want. Not who, not who did it. <laughs> not who did it. So the bank guy, let's call him the bank guy. He, he the president at the time, canceled the gold reserve <laughs> in yeah. 1971. And, you know, since then, up until now, the, I mean, the value, like, like palm trees said, it's like 20 cents to the dollar. So you had like a nice picture of the dollar where most of it was cut out. So yeah. the statement behind that is, you know, you know, they always advise you make a savings account, make a savings account. So obviously, if you had like, let's say, $50,000 in 1971, and you held all the way to 2020, you think, whoa, this guy did good at saving. He's probably made quite a bit of money. Where in reality, his $50,000 is now worth, what, 5000 4500 yeah. yeah. it's, uh, it's quite the painful system. All right. How about market cap? So market cap is the total USD. It's currently measured in USD. I know other people use different values, but this is US dollar for now. So Bitcoin currently has 18,421,000 Bitcoins in circulation, which has a market cap of 166. Well, my numbers are not good, guys. Is this $166 billion or million? It's going to change by the time people listen to this. So (laughs) it doesn't matter what numbers you use. Don't judge me, guys. Maths is not my strong point. But yeah, you get the idea. It's the total US dollar value of the current circulating supply. That's the market cap. Yeah. And it could be in your, whatever your home country coin is, your fiat currency. Yeah, exactly. It's whatever that is. It's basically just a guideline to tell you how much the worth of all these circulating coins are. That changes. Like if you go on coin market cap versus coin gecko, there's a discrepancy. So yeah, why, the why is that? reason for that is they, they actually... CoinGecko references more exchanges. Right. So because of that, each exchange, it changes the average then, the median mm-hmm. value. So due to that, now they may have a different uh, total market. But I, I don't think it's by that much. No. But yeah, guys, uh, my math is correct. I literally just went over all the numbers and it is in the billions. Yeah. So Bitcoin's... <laughs> Bitcoin's market cap is 166 billion US dollars. I don't know whatever local fiat is that for you. But yeah, it changes per exchange mm-hmm. that you look at because you, obviously to work out the market cap, you need to get an average price. Yeah. And that depends on all the exchanges put together. And then from there, you times that by what's circulating and you get your market cap. And it's also a best guess based on you know how it's being traded. It's just a best guess using the total circulating supply. Yeah. The issue with market cap though is I wouldn't go because I mean, if you had that many amount of coins, I can guarantee you're not going to be able to sell it at that current going price because there's not that many people selling you know mm-hmm. or wanting to buy them so it's a very rough estimate mm-hmm. cool all right who wants to take on double spending okay so i'll just say jeffrey if you're taking most of these is because you're this you're probably the, <laughs> the one that does this all the time jeffrey is the one of the main support guys in pivx and so he gets asked <laughs> a billion questions and if he doesn't know he'll look it up and so literally you are our glossary of terms jeffrey so you, if, sorry guys take it take it on take rhubarb it. No, I'm, I'm not what? taking it on. i'm just, just I'm saying, come on, come on. We'll, we'll Let's get the, it's pixel pushes turn. I don't, I don't know a double spending. I, I've heard it. I've heard that term before. 
it's self-explanatory. Just take a guess. It doesn't have to be true. Just so if I if I buy a coffee for four bucks and I get and all of a sudden that charge comes shows up twice, or or I can actually use the money twice. I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's pretty much not a term that you can use in the normal money system. A double spend is where someone spends the same coins more than once. You could actually do a triple spend or a quadruple spend. Obviously, the more you double it, it gets harder and harder. But I know that the blockchain is slow. In the case of Bitcoin, I might attempt to buy something from someone and then go and immediately buy something from someone else using that same ah the same coin that same coin yeah. and only one of them is going to win but to the party if they're not doing if they're not waiting for their confirmations they might see it on the blockchain as a paid transaction but it never confirms because yeah. it was already spent gotcha yep that's why now most sites that accept BDC and that you'll see they require like three or six confirmations so that's to prevent such an attack although rare it can happen but it mostly happens with the smaller blockchains now where there's not much mining power or hash power on the network. I guess that that speaks to coins like like Pivx who are that are fast and so it kind of eliminates the ability to double spend, right? Yeah, we also have double block validation. Mm -hmm. If you guys remember there's a song about that actually. <laughs> Done by what? Crypto Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you wrapped <laughs> okay. about it. But yeah, double block validation. So that pretty much prevents it. Unlike mining in Bitcoin where only the miner does it with Pivx, right. the staker as well as the masternode verified the transaction. So if it's bad, some do tries to double spend he's got two gates in front of him to prevent that there you go all righty the dao d-a-o the dao what is the dao decentralized autonomous organization take it pixel pusher <laughs> <laughs> well each of those words means something so in decentralized meaning that there's no central power govern governing power person in charge autonomous being that you know we it's none of your business who's doing what and what and what's happening. We're set apart from any other entity. We can do our own thing and, and you don't need to know who's who. So there's a privacy aspect organization. So most, a lot of cryptocurrencies call themselves a DAO if there's no president CEO. So I'm not sure how to take, take that further, guys. So the, it's basically, well, this would be my take. <laughs> a decentralized organization is basically like a company with no owners yep. and all of its rules and regulations are are contracts on the blockchain that you know just run on the blockchain and the blockchain owns and processes and runs the company yeah i agree <laughs> any comments that's, no that's, that's that's pretty much it <laughs> yeah all right how about dapps d-a-p-p-s the decentralized applications i actually have used a few but uh that most apps right now are built on the ethereum blockchain if i'm correct it's based like smart contracts where these these apps create some sort of uh, contract or set of rules where you agree to and it carries it out using your you know your Ethereum balance or your address, whatever information you provide. So basically, it's, it's something that can run without any central authority. Mm. Right. It would also avoid a single point of failure. So if Google fails, it fails for everyone. Yeah. Whereas a DAP is decentralized app. And if, you know, one node goes down, the app will still be running because it's decentralized and it's based across many hundreds, thousands of nodes. So it can be repaired. It can be put back. Or it could be hard to, hard take, to down. take down. Yeah. All right. This one's going to be a little bit tricky. We'll do two of them at the same time. Private key and public key. You know, I got it. Take it. <laughs> okay. So private key, before I describe this to anyone, if someone asks you for your private key, on whatever social media platform block them. <laughs> and the reason for this, in cryptography, a private key, or like a secret key, is basically like a string, so a string being a line of letters or text, that is an encryption key. But this gives you full, the user full access to all your funds. So for example, if you got the private key to your address that you just generated on the Pivx wallet, that you can put that as private key in another wallet, 
and basically see that address in that wallet. If that makes sense. So it basically gives, it's almost like a password for your wallet file that gives you access to all your transactions as well as your balances. The address I was talking about is actually another term we use to define it's called a public key. The reason it's called public keys, you know, it's public. You can give this key out to anyone so they can be able to see your, who you are, like your transactions, if you need, they need to see that, or to send you funds. And the way to access the public key is using a private key. But yeah, private key is a bit more detailed. <laughs> so you can't spend any cryptocurrency without having access to the private key. Exactly. And if anyone has your private key, they basically have all of your assets. For that specific address. Just for that address. Yeah. So clearly you don't want to be sharing your private key. It's like a... It's basically a key to your vault. Yeah, it's key to your vault. And then the public key is what's on the blockchain or the distributed ledger. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the list of everyone's public keys. Any transaction that was ever on the blockchain has a public key that's on the blockchain. None of that can be stolen or spent because nobody knows what those private keys are. So the private key is just your key to be able to spend it and to be able to spend mm -hmm. it, I guess, right? Just spending. Yeah. That's it. It just makes you be able to spend the balance that the public key shows. How about UTXO? He's taking this one, guys. All right. Do you want me to take it on? Yeah, go ahead. Let's see what you got. Again, this is just my take, a UTXO. So I have a public key and Jeffrey gives me five PIVX and then Rhubarb gives me five more. That's the same address. The same public key was used to receive the funds, but there's two UTXOs at this moment. One is for five and then the second one is for also five. So a UTXO is the each individual input into your wallet. How did I do? Did I do all right? That sounds good. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's perfect. So you just to add on to that, UTXO is also another way we like to use it in the support. It's basically an unspent transaction. So that means like when you received it, it's sitting in your wallet in the five, let's say the two portions of five, and they're both unspent. So you haven't, you yourself haven't spent them out of your address. That's why it shows it as a, you know, UTXO. But your definition is perfect. All right. Cold storage. Brr. Yeah, it's when you put your uh, Ledger Nano in the refrigerator. <laughs> in the freezer. Yeah. So cold storage, if you guys want me to take that one, is just pretty much the definition of being able to store your crypto in an offline environment. So somewhere where it's not connected to the internet. So you don't have the risk of, you know, being hacked or whatever. So for example, printing your private key, putting on a piece of paper with your, maybe your public key, seeing which one it is, and then laminating it and putting it inside the safe. That's cold storage. Cold storage is also put on your Ledger Nano, your Trezor hardware wallet. So yeah, any environment where you can store crypto and there's no direct access to a, a PC or the internet or anything like that, uh, yeah, that's cold storage. So we could call our wallets connected to the internet hot storage. Yeah. Pretty much. Like hot staking and cold yeah. staking. I mean, hot, hot is just we're connected to the internet. It's hot. The wire's hot. It's on. Whereas when it's not connected, it's cold. All right. I think we did good with that. That's good. All of those so far were mostly directly related to cryptos and they were, you know, pretty much part of the beginning of crypto. And then along the way, people made up a lot of different terms. We'll go through mm -hmm. a few of those starting with, well, so they might be made up or indirectly related, I'll, I'll say, like fiat currency. Mm -hmm. Country-based, government-owned cash. Right. Basically, the money that you most people use every day. Yeah. Re regionally based and usually run by a centralized entity. This word I don't think existed until probably, I'm going to think the Litecoin years, altcoin. Altcoin, just like an alternate to the main coin, the king, Bitcoin. So the alternative <laughs> cryptocurrency. So Litecoin, PIVX, all those type of things. 
while the excitement started burning out when you were mining back in the old days, you were striving to get some reward at all. So I think that's when Mining Pool might have jumped into the arena. Yeah, a lot of services, they started calling themselves mining pools. Like, think of it like a pool where all the water's in. So that's all the people, a pool filled with people with all their graphics cards and whatnot, or CPUs, all mining together in one one entity or one organization, hoping for that company or whatever to mine the block. So my chances were slim, but pulled together with a whole bunch of people, you were able to share the reward. So whoever got the reward had to share it with a pool of people. Yeah, It's a representation of proof of stake. It's everyone consolidating their power into, you know, or at least sharing their power for reward, right? I mean, that's proof of stake is kind of like that, where we open up my computer and I'm sharing the power and the network across the board. It's sort of like a mini version of the pool. Right. But with PIVX, there's no mining, so there's no reason to pool it. Everyone can do it on their own. That's what's significantly different. It's beautiful. Yeah. Although there were staking pools, which are kind of weird. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend those. (laughs) That's where you lose access to your funds. So staking pools, like people like, oh no, it's like people who have like five or 10 perv and they're like, whoa, dude, I've been staking this thing for like a month now and I've got zero perv. So they send it to a company or a group of people that's putting all this together and they're like, hey, look, we've got a staking reward. We have a total of 10,000 perv. You put in 10 perv, that's 0.5%. We'll give you 0. But you're going to get that anyway. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I mean, eventually. <laughs> yeah, you get the full block work. But that's the thing with mining pools. The issue with Bitcoin is like if you're a solo miner, so you're just mining by yourself, you could be using your hardware for like a whole year and get zero BDC out of the whole thing. Whereas if you join a mining pool, even if you got your little CPU or whatever, you might get a 0.1% of whatever it was mined. It's all a game. It's all a chance. Right. And I think your chances are better yeah. with PIVX. Oh, yeah. True. Avoid the pools unless there's a whale in it. Actually, if there's a if there's a whale in the pool, then you should avoid it as well. <laughs> the water is not fine. Do not go yeah. into the pool. So what's a whale? <laughs> Who's going to take on a whale? Whale. Whale is a large mammal. The largest. <laughs> I don't know if there's actually an exact definition, but technically, or what people mostly say is those that hold a lot of coin, yeah. they would be the whales and the whales rule the waters to some degree, right? Even in our, in quotes, decentralized environment, whales can really push the other fish around. So someone that with a ridiculously large amount of crypto, way more than the average user, even an investment group might have a lot of crypto, while a whale would mm-hmm. probably have more than them. And they have the ability because of their massive amount of coins to manipulate the market. Yeah, they can buy and sell, or they could sell at a greater bulk, which definitely impacts the market. The next term, pump and dump. (laughs) What would a pump and dump be? Yeah, basically the glory days of 2017, the painful days. So yeah, pump and dump, you find a whale's normally involved. So basically a pump and dump is just some sort of group or it's mostly a group of people that are like, hey, let's let's buy this altcoin. It's going to the moon right now. And everyone suddenly starts investing. They don't care what the price, they just buy whatever. And the price goes all the way to the top. And this whale's like, thank you. And he sells his whole load at the high price. And the price is completely demolished. It's mostly to even lower than what it started at quite possibly buys them again. Yeah, at even lower and waits for the next one. And that's how some of them turn from fish into whales. Are you a minnow, a fish, or a dolphin, or a whale, or plankton? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's where I am. Shrimp. (laughs) I'm a jumbo shrimp. (laughs) How about ICO? Also, the glory days of 2017. Yeah. Not too many anymore. I mean, that was definitely a, an ICO every four minutes a couple of years ago. And, yeah. And uh, that slowed down <laughs> quite a bit, fortunately, because it was getting hard to keep track of all these new ICOs. Yeah. Initial coin offering is the and term. Basically selling nothing and getting something. Fun fact, though, more than 95% of ICOs have actually failed and are, not, are way below the ICO price. 
So basically ICO allows, it stands for initial coin offering. So like this company will say, hey, you're releasing this coin on this day, but we're going to start a funding where from this date to this date, we'll sell it at X price. Then from this date to this date, we'll sell it at a higher price. And uh, in 2017, like Palm said, there was actually an ICO probably every four minutes. It's not even a joke. And the SEC, so the Securities Commission of America actually started clamping down on them because some of these companies were raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And then after just saying, Yes, our project. Meanwhile, the project they just created, I'm sure our PIVX developers could do with, with like straight after an app within five minutes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's quite painful for a lot of people who invest a lot of money. It's similar to crowdfunding, right? Where you, Very you know, similar. You go on, on a fundme.com fund or something, you have this, hey, I'm going to make this cool widget or gadget. And they have an awesome video of it, an animation of it. And people just start pouring their money in and they, they raise millions and, you know, the company or whatever they could deliver or they could just walk away and that's happened a lot so it's now a more highly regulated uh, entity the the crowdfunding but in ICO it's like in crypto at least i mean people have just ignored them now i think nobody wants to be an ICO actually exchanges uh, are quite hesitant to even list them i mean i currently yeah. do some exchange work for pivx and like whoa are you an ICO and then after that it's, it becomes really tricky but yeah me as an investor i avoid all ICOs because of my general experience right. with them Okay, HODL, H-O-D-L, HODL, HODL, HODL. HODL, HODL. Hold on for dear life. HODL, HODL is, it's one of those typo, typo terms, you know, it, yeah. it was originally a typo for hold, and hold your coins, hold on, you know, the, the, the price is going down, but just hold on, it's going to come back up. So basically it's holding, holding an investment of your cryptocurrency for a, a really long time. You're not spending it, you're yeah. not trading it, you're buying it and you're stockpiling yep. it and you're holding on to it and your fingers are turning red exactly. because you are not letting go. Exactly. But then somebody spelt it wrong. <laughs> Quick trivia though. Let's see how loyal you guys are. Where does the term huddle originate from though? Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. I can't say you're wrong. I don't know. I know there's a there's a wiki somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Huddle is quite funny. I still remember when it popped up. I was luckily still in crypto then. So some of my sad days when I look back at my crypto purchases of the year 2013. It was actually on this uh, forum called Bitcoin Talk. And there was this guy that came on. His name was something QB. And he posted, because Bitcoin price is like dumping like crazy. And he's like, he's a bad trader. And he's saying that he's holding and all that. But the title of his uh, his post was actually like, I am huddling. And I think it's like the most trending post on Bitcoin Talk. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's the guy who created the term and that, that post went completely viral. So you can actually look that up. It should be really big on Bitcoin Talk. There's my uh, TED Talk for you guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. For some reason, this term is like the only vehicle term that's used in the crypto space and it's Lambo. When, when Lambo? <laughs> yeah, Lambo. I mean, Lambo, short for Lamborghini. We all know that. But it, I, think it, I think it was one of those just because became a symbol of I just I just got rich on Bitcoin and I bought a I bought a, a sports car and it, yeah. somebody probably posted a Lamborghini and then then it became the iconic symbol of reaching some level of success in, in right. Bitcoin. That was the December 2017 years. I bought myself a Lamborghini toy car. <laughs> while everyone else was buying the <laughs> the original. <laughs> yeah. uh, now we now we substitute it for pictures for now on Google. So <laughs> we're in Lambo yeah. guys. <laughs> And that's this next one is basically sort of the same thing. When moon or, or mooning? Yeah. Moon is the destination you want to hit to, right? So if you're going to launch your rocket, the destination is the moon and that's complete success. And that's for, for crypto, it just means ultimate high price. I think the term moon though originated with Dogecoin. So I recall way back, Dogecoin had a 
video where they had the little doge shooting to the moon in a rocket. Uh, quite, yeah. a, quite a catchy yeah. song as well. I think that's where it originated, but I might be wrong. <laughs> moon, yeah. So when moon? When are we going to moon? The sky's the limit and the limit for crypto is the moon. Sure. It's well beyond the sky. It is basically unreachable. Moon, schmoon. We're going to Mars. Okay, this one doesn't apply to PIVX, but you hear it a lot. You hear about these airdrops. What would an airdrop be? Free money. <laughs> well, actually, it can actually apply to pivots if someone actually started. If like for like I know we actually with exchanges. Rain. Yeah, a lot of them host airdrops where they're like, yeah, we're gonna list this coin, and they will ask the community of this coin. They're like, hey guys, look, can you give us X amount of pivots, and we're gonna create an airdrop. But uh, the initial term of airdrop actually refers to like coins with pre-mine. So when they started, the the developer or whatever mined a, a ton of the coin, and he's like, yeah, come join the farm or do this or sign up on the website, and you'll start with fifty thousand airdrop coin or whatever coin it's called. But yeah, there's uh, quite a few definitions for it, but it can apply to pivots in the in the sense of an exchange providing some free pivots in terms of tasks and stuff. We haven't yeah. personally done it, but uh, it has been successful for other coins. Yeah, in different ways, like on the, when we had, uh, well, some of the tip bots do this where it's like a rain yeah. or I forget what they called it, a panda bot is sprinkle or something. It's it's basically if, you, if you're if you online at a certain time, you get a bulk amount or you get a percentage of the amount of coins that were set up as part yeah. of the, the drop, right? So it's free money. You just have to show up at the place right. at the right show time. Show up at the door when they announce it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think everyone knows this one. I don't know, maybe not. KYC and AML. They're usually uh, hand in hand with each other. Yeah, so KYC is know your customer, which is basically, please give me all your information about you so that I know that you're legit and I can verify that you're a real person and not going to scam me. Or if something does go awry, I can come back and hunt you down. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a complete lack of privacy. And, and AML. Anti-money laundering. So basically, exchanges will have to like monitor your incoming transactions. So like maybe the FBI will report, hey, this address here belongs to a drug smuggler. So let's say, for example, that that address suddenly has activity to a Binance address. So the Binance will then have the KYC information on this user, which they'll provide to the feds. And then they also have the AML. So they, they because of any anti-money laundering rule, they would block that user. He's, the funds will be locked by Binance. And then, you know, from there, the, the authorities will handle that. Right. Yep. So uh, for the most part, individuals don't really participate in that. But if you become part of an exchange or you have an account on an exchange, because the exchange wants to yep. stay open and comply with the rules of the land, then they're going to have to yep. most likely follow whatever government's uh, know your customer anti-money laundering rules mm -hmm. something that most people in crypto just don't like exactly and there's some there's new exchanges that are coming up that you don't have to kyc that's kind of a, a trend that's coming but i'm not sure how how that's working it'll be slow but you know you see so many decentralized exchange projects there's only one reason for that and that's because of kyc and aml requirements in government so mm -hmm. you know a lot of work is being done by a lot of different groups trying to come up with something that's a totally decentralized version yeah how do we protect the good people from the bad people and you know that's yeah. that's a difficult thing yeah i personally feel that kyc isn't good enough merely because of my personal experience and a lot of people as well you find that these people these companies that do the KYC, don't keep your document secure enough. I mean, they've got your bank statement, they got your address, they got your passport. Yeah. I mean, next thing, some criminal company manages to obtain all that information and next thing, you're owing money to these amount of different departments because they're opening up accounts in your name and your details. So yeah, I, I feel it's it's a complete invasion of privacy. I understand the reason it's needed. You know, we live in a world, not everything is uh, rainbows, but I feel that it, it, it affects more people than it actually helps. So what's the, what would be an, another solution? The decentralized exchange. 
exchange. Yeah, there's some nice ones. You get these swap exchanges that actually don't take that information. They just do swaps. But once again, due to the changing laws, that could change at any moment, you know, if they're even legal. Yeah. All right. I'll probably add another one to this one. So Coin Faucet, and I think that could also be something like TipBot. You know, you join Discord yeah. and you see these TipBots and it's always shocking to someone when they get their first tip and they're like, I just got crypto for no particular reason. What's up with that? And how do I get it? So what would a, what would a Coin Faucet be? So we actually, my, I actually first got into Bitcoin with the faucet. So think of it like a tap. That's what, you know, the definition of a faucet is. And, you know, you can open a tap quite easily. So it's the same thing. It gives you access to water. So a faucet in terms of crypto gives you access to the crypto at no charge. So if you're like a new guy who doesn't know what BDC is and you've got the wallet, you can go on these sites. Like you just Google BDC faucet and they will give you a small percentage of BTC. Well, now it's small. Back in the day, I remember there was some even giving away 10 full Bitcoins and uh, they were just sending to you free of charge. And now you would have the ability to test out what BDC actually is without actually investing. And that's pretty much the major use case of a faucet. Most faucets are more like uh, dripping. <laughs> faucet. They're not uh, full-on faucets. Yeah. So generally, you're not going to get rich off of a faucet, but it would, for some people, it's no. possibly their first uh, cryptocurrency that they might ever receive, albeit small, but they were able to receive it. And mm -hmm. I think once you receive any amount for the first time, you become a little bit more excited about it. Yeah. yeah I think it's a great idea. I think the tip bots are awesome. Like you said, first time ever, someone may, may hold a cryptocurrency and it goes into a tip wallet, like a wallet that's on the Discord. Um, but the next step would be, hey, get your own wallet and move it to your own so that it's, it's yours. And it's that one little little taste. that It's the spark that starts the fire. The next thing you're asking, when moon? When moon. I've got 0.02 something and when moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why, why am I not staking? <laughs> All right. Yeah. How about FUD? FUD. That's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So that's generally used by people who just want to take a project down or d destroy somebody they'll they'll say something that's maybe has some, some fraction of truth but uh, they're trying to instill fear uncertainty and doubt in uh, in the project towards the person and usually it's nefarious in nature um negative well, it's upcoming whales. They just want the price cheaper. So they spread some fake news to hopefully anticipate a, a drop in price so they can accumulate a large amount. That's what happened. Oh, I was wondering why. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> okay. How about some uh, PIVX specific terms? Skyrock. Skyrock. What's Skyrock? Sounds like sounds like a trip to the moon. <laughs> oh, it's further. That's, oh, the, it's that's further the whole point. The yeah. Jeffrey, you, I think you had you had some actual history on this, right? Yeah. So actually, before this podcast, we had a little conversation about Skyrock. It's a uh, it's something quite I don't know. It's quite uh, you know everyone in the beginning stages of Pivx 2017 would say it's like quite a moment because Pivx just hit one dollar for the first time and the market started growing. I think we were in the top ten on Coin Market Cap and uh, there's this uh, yeah there was this uh, guy on the Facebook group uh, Cryptocurrency Collectors Club or Cryptocurrency Collectors Club Beginners. His name was Emmanuel and he had a, a typo which turned into one of the greatest Pivx memes he was like uh, prepare for Pivx Skyrock or something and uh, from there the memes started sprawling up like crazy within I think we were still using Slack back then we weren't using Discord and uh, so since, I mean even if you go to Google Images right now you're just typing Pivx Skyrock you can see some of the memes and uh, he actually pops up on there too <laughs> a picture of him walking he's wearing like a bomber jacket <laughs> and he's like yeah it's like prepare for Pivx to Skyrock and it, funny enough shortly yeah. after he posted this Pivx did indeed Skyrock. <laughs> Skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. We, we turned it into a destination. I think it was it was supposed to be a term of, of energy and movement, you know. Uh, but we just said, oh, it's Skyrock is a place and we're going to hit there. And it's beyond the moon. So, which if you're a part of 2017, you realize from, from uh, our $1 to what was the all-time high in there, 14? 
12, 13, 14, depends on what exchange you were using. So we skyrocketed. No, we, we hit skyrock. Or maybe we haven't yet. I think skyrock's still to come. I think we're going to, we're going to get I think there. we just, we're building the spaceship right now. <laughs> yeah, we're back. We're back building the ship. So while everyone was looking for the moon, Pivix was uh, shooting for skyrock. Skyrock. Was much further than yeah. the moon. Yeah, we were just beta testing. We didn't like it. <laughs> we we want to go further this time. <laughs> this isn't price talk, folks. I'm talking about development. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, exactly. I'm the same investment advice. All right, here's another uh, Pivx specific term: UPF. Nice. You covered that one quite in detail, Chad, uh, with your uh, marketing. I know you did some pretty cool stuff back in the years with that little statement. Yeah, U- UPF. Actually, I, th- I would probably say Snappy coined it. Yeah, he did. And then we we all kind of UPF, uh, Universal Purple Factor. No, it's not. I, I just flow, 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 flow. flow. It That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I can't believe I just gabbed on. I was like, Whoa. what? There's a whole video. Uh, it's an amazing video of Snappy doing like this awesome intro of like something that were the developers have been working on, and and he called it UPF. And there's a there's a video. It's like announcing UPF, and it was it was hilarious. Universal Pivx Flow, but it's purple. I think we I think it's Universal Purple Flow. Yeah, it is. Um, ultimately, it's it's like it's the energy. It's the 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 vibrancy, the community, the 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 joy factor of being part of Pivx and and uh it just got termed UPF. And you can you would you sensed it in different, you know, communities and groups and people. Anyone who's excited, they, you know, they must have UPF, right? That's the that was the term. So I, I even think I, we did our logo for it. I think it yeah, it did take off a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, I see it in all the uh the Pivx presses and different communities where we're talking about UPF. Universal purple flow. Good job, Snappy. <laughs> Kudos for Snappy. That was one of the first videos I saw, I think, was of the Snappy Backyard video series. And uh, those were always kind of fun. Yeah, that was... Uh, how many episodes were we up to, uh, Jeffrey? Because you took over Pivx Press. We got to be yeah. way past, what, like close to 40 or so episodes? Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. All right, so uh, another term, JFDI. So that, I, I would say I, I coined it with Pivx, but it's not my phrase. So a friend of mine whom he may, it means j- just friggin' do it. Or if you, if you want to swear, it's just effing do it. And, uh, it's, it's a term that we started using really early on was people would come into the Slack channel at that time and just say, Hey, I'd like to, Hey, have we thought about doing this? And we would just be like, Hey, JFDI, like just friggin' do it, you know, and it works and it doesn't work because <laughs> sometimes people will go off and maybe do something. It doesn't always work, but the, the essence of it is like, Hey, you, you have the, you have the energy, you have the idea, just go for it. I think in crypto, JFDI is, is a good term. I mean, we're doing things that have never been done before. And so if you're going to wait for validation, if you're going to wait for, you know, perfect storm, you know, you just don't wait, just JFDI. And so that became a, that became an icon and became an emoji. We often use it through our discord. Um, my buddy of mine actually tattooed it on his arm. So thought like, whoa, just friggin' do it. You did it. <laughs> so it's a good, it's a good term. It goes well with the UPF, you know, it's JFDI. Right. They work hand in J- hand. JFDI, that UPF. Exactly. Um, any others that you can think of that are not on this list? Wow. Crypto terms. Yeah, good list. I think that covers a lot. I think if um if people want to submit some new ones or some obscure ones, that would be great. We could probably tackle them here and there throughout upcoming shows. Maybe have a little little segment ongoing of glossary of terms. 
And, and if you think you can do, if you think you can do any of those uh, better message. justice than we did, feel free to leave us a message on the comment recorder and give away some piv. We'll we said we we're going to give away some piv, so there's a there's a piv pool there waiting for people to to use the recorder. Send us a message. Yep, that's great. Good show. Good education. We it was a we. We schooled people. I, I learned a lot. Like, I didn't know some of these. I didn't know exactly the, the stuff. So, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully, you guys are all talking crypto slang from now on. <laughs> There's a lot more, but uh, I think we'd have to take another hour to handle it. But this is pretty much the basics. <laughs> the ones yeah. that are pretty technical as well. They get brought up a lot. It's actually kind of hard to explain some of these in a really simple fashion. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys for joining me again for, I think, episode four. <laughs> Number four. Woo. Happy fourth. <laughs> Happy fourth. How fitting. Cool. Peace, guys. Thanks for listening. All right. Talk to you. All right. Peace out. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share on Facebook, Twitter, and other socials. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. If you have any ideas for future episodes, feel free to visit podcast.pivx.org and leave us a message or an audio comment. We hope to see you again soon. Have a great day.